Don't you just love it when you can confidently say that someone has your back? Hi, Dave Lee here, and that's the feeling I have with UCARE. Anytime I call them up with a Medicare question, I know without a doubt that a real person will answer, and they will work through my issues no matter how long it takes, and they won't hang up until I completely understand what's going on. Their people and customer service are second to none, and it's why UCARE has people-powered health plans. Don't hesitate to reach out to UCARE for help. Learn more at UCARE.org slash Medicare. This paid endorsement brought to you by UCARE. Today on my first concert, one day I got a one night I got a call from, uh, or not from Prince, but his assistant came and said, uh, Prince would like to invite you to uh, to a screening of his new film. It's probably Graffiti Bridge. It's a private screening. It's at the um, Varsity Theater or something, and uh, he would really he would really like you to come. And I would, I said, you know. I'd really like to do it, but I'm cutting vocals tonight and I'm just kind of in that headspace. So I didn't go. Next day I find out that four people were at this showing. Prince, his girlfriend at the time, David Bowie, and Iman. And I have been kicking myself (laughs) for the last Uh. 30 years. That's a pretty special list. Today, Dugan McNeil joins us, and he has got some interesting stories we'll share. The show today brought to you by Aquarius. Go to AquariusHomeServices.com. Learn more about what they do. I've known Jeff and the uh, the family over there for, gosh, 20 years. Starbank.net, Minnesota banking company, 11 or 10 banks around the state. And they are our bank at TalkNorth.com. And, of course, Propane.com, which has some really interesting environmental news. So all of those are sponsors along with our friends at UCARE. Dave Lee here along with Dugan. We're keeping an eye on uh, my first concert with a number of people around town. And today we talk with Dugan McNeil, pretty accomplished musician to say the least. And he's nice enough to join us. Dugan, thanks for coming in. Well, great. Glad to be here. And, of course, you can download this on Apple, Spotify. Go to TalkNorth.com and subscribe. Makes it easier. Dugan, let's start out there before we talk about your your background, and you're still uh, playing in a very popular band, but what was, and of course, as a musician, I always find this extremely interesting, what was your first concert that you saw? Have I got one for you guys? <laughs> <clears throat> I um, I don't know why. I was, I was pretty young, and somebody said, there's this concert, and it's going to be at the Guthrie Theater. And it's Frank Zappa and the Mother's Invention. At the Guthrie. At the Guthrie Theater. I didn't know a whole lot about the band, but but I went. I got there, and I quickly realized it wasn't all about Frank Zappa and the Mother's of Invention for me. It was about the opening act, Hmm. which was Alice Cooper. Oh, (laughs) wow. I saw that band, and in that half hour or 45 minutes and this is the alice cooper way before the the ones we know they were like some crazy i don't know acid rock psychedelic band they had no production uh the lights were on the floor built into a wooden box and there was a guy on the side <laughs> tapping to the music and uh i think i think the biggest production they did was uh they ripped apart pillowcases at the end and showered it and i looked at that as, as a young kid and i went uh 
I think that's what I want to be someday. <laughs> it like it sealed my fate. Yeah. So and then, so you see Alice Cooper did, yes. and you knew nothing of him at the time. Nothing. The album wasn't even out. I don't think. Mm. You know they were they, man. Yeah. In the Guthrie of all places. In the Guthrie, yes. And then followed by Frank. What do you mem- remember about Frank? Here's Zappin what I remember about Frank. Uh, there was a moment in the, the middle of the show where he took audience requests. Now, the requests from the audience were time signatures and keys. Hmm. So he'd say to the audience, give me a time signature. And the audience knows nothing about time signatures. So they say, oh, I don't know, 716. <laughs> and he points to one of the guys in the band and has them start playing in that time signature. <laughs> Three, four, seven, eighths. 27 over whatever. <laughs> and then he names keys. A, you know, what, whatever. And then they just created this glorious cacophony on stage. That's all I remember of the show. Do you remember who you went with? Um, some buddies who probably were high. We have to, uh, uh, <laughs> how'd you guys get to the show? Parents. Oh, and they yeah. were going to pick you up afterwards? Right, right. That's my, my mom did that all the time. Wow. Yeah. I was a real concert goer. Yeah. Uh, and great patience for her. She'd sit outside and wait for you. She didn't no, go she'd come you. back. <laughs> she'd she, go back to, back to our, our north side home and then drive that. Okay. And so, she'd do that all the time. Yeah. So. so she didn't go to see the bands. No, no. Little did she know that a couple years later, she'd be doing that for my first band too. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> what was it like when your mom showed up for your first First time at one of your concerts. Well, you know, my mom never, she didn't really come to the shows that much mm-hmm. until later on, until I played the Guthrie uh, years later. I think that was one of the first shows she really came out to. Wow. Yeah. Playing, I want to ask you about that in a minute here, Duke. Okay. Playing the Guthrie's got to be intimidating all by itself. I would think for anybody that grows up here. Yeah. And of course, uh, I, when Elton John was in town the last time, his alleged last concert tour, he referenced that he had played the Guthrie years ago when very young and I had no clue. So there's been some, you mentioned Alice Cooper. I had no idea. Frank Zappa, I had no idea. Elton, I didn't know he was in the Guthrie. Yeah, I, uh, Zeppelin, I think played there. And Led Zeppelin played in the Guthrie. Yeah. The who played there. There were tons of them. I think who, who else? Like Joe Jackson, uh, just lots of, lots of acts were playing the Guthrie for a couple years there. Okay. And then you get there. That had to be, uh, I mean, you get to play there and that had to be a little intimidating. Well, you know, what was intimidating? The stage was very slippery. Oh, okay. Hold that thought. Hold that thought. I want to thank our friends at Aquarius Home Services here from the Aquarius Home Services Studios for bringing the show to you today. Well, it's that time of year in Minnesota. Hot, humid weather is here. And it just began. If you're like me and like your home to stay comfy and cool all summer long, get a company you can trust. And that, my friends, is Aquarius Home Services. With qualified trained technicians, guaranteed work, and upfront pricing, they're going to ensure you stay comfy and cool all summer long. So take advantage of their June specials, $98 off any AC repair. That's right, $98 off. Or if you feel like it might be time to replace your unit, get a new AC for as low as $55 per month. They replaced mine just a couple of years ago. Aquarius believes in earning the right to be recommended. That's right. They want to earn your trust, and they will. That's how good they are. You'll be impressed. They're just a click away at AquariusHomeServices.com. So do your research, and you'll find they are awesome. AquariusHomeServices.com. All right, Dugan, let's go back to the Guthrie. Okay. 
Tell me the band you're performing with and the, uh, and how slippery was that stage? <laughs> that stage was so slippery. I think you can go on YouTube and uh, uh, look up Chameleon. And yep. there's videos, and I, I, I do believe that there are videos of me slipping on that stage. <laughs> <laughs> it was so slippery. Um, but Chameleon was very successful. Yes, yes. It was, it was a pretty successful uh, regional band. Mm -hmm. And we played, I think, 15 states and Canada. Uh, you charted Billboard, didn't you? We did. Yeah. You want to go back? Should we sure. take the time machine back a little bit? Oh, for sure. Okay. Uh, how far back do you want to go? Do you want to go back to the first Guthrie, or would you like to go? Let's go. Let, let's go back to wherever you want. But the first Guthrie does intrigue me. Okay, first Guthrie. So I, um, I don't know what it was uh, seeing um, men in uh, makeup and sparkly clothes that just made me say, I, I would like to do that. Um, it could be um, going back a little bit farther. I remember when I was a kid, probably about fourth grade they sent a note home to my mom that said we're very concerned about dugan's mental health hmm. um because he comes to school every day wearing only black <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess that's a trigger or something that, uh, yeah so we'll fast forward um my buddies and i after that show uh hopped on our little uh Stranger Things kind of bikes oh yeah you can't see this right now but i'm holding the my butterfly hands up handles like that. yeah yes and a music store had opened in our neighborhood that we didn't know about. We just kind of went there and we drove past it. Davide probably knows this story. Um, opened up the door of the music store and saw these Vox amplifiers, these drum kits, these th this glorious array of uh, sparkly instruments. And my buddy said, we should start that band. First kid said, drums. Second kid said, guitar and i got stuck on the bass <laughs> and i've been playing the bass ever since <laughs> had i just been a little quicker on the draw yeah, little, i would have been a drummer <laughs> you know well chameleon we'll talk about them in a minute had, yep. had had a really unique drum set they did yes. but all right so let's talk about the band chameleon how did that happen okay um and yanni was in that band he was he was uh yanni and i go way back pre-chameleon okay we were playing in um in in bands uh we lived in south minneapolis and uh we played in bands that were getting like 100 bucks a night playing in bemidji or international falls or eau claire or whatever uh, that kind of a thing um yanni and i um i met him uh from an ad that i had in a place called b-sharp music now some people listening will remember b-sharp music it was like music store in northeast minneapolis kind of a, a shady, I think it was really a money laundering situation there, but uh, <laughs> they, they actually burned it down at some point for oh. insurance. Um, kind of a Sopranos type of thing. Right, and that's where my, yeah. my first band got their first drum kit because we got it from the fire sale. <laughs> we went, we, <laughs> I, true story, we could not get the smell out of it for, you know, it was I, something about the heads kind of keep that fire, yeah. that insurance smell lingered. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so, um Anyway, we were looking, this is a couple years later when I actually know how to play because my first band, we played on one string because we had no musical anything, you know, until um, we learned a bar chord. Uh, opened up a world for us. Um, I was in a band and uh, put an ad up in this music store and it sat there for about two years. Nobody looked at it. One day, a guy calls me up and he's like, um, so I can do it. I am a, 
I, I am a, I'm a keyboard player. And my friends say I should come and see your band. I call my friends in the band and I say, hey, I just talked to this guy. He's a keyboard player. I think I think he's East Indian or something. I'm not sure because I had no knew nothing about accents, like your accent. Uh, and um, yeah, Davide, our producer, of course, is is from Basel, Switzerland. Yes, um, Yanni comes over, and I don't know. Sometimes you meet people in your life that you just click with them right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is pre chameleon, of course. And I just I I don't know I just we just clicked. We had a great love for progressive rock music like uh, Yes and Genesis and King Crimson and Gentle Giant and all these kind of pretentious prog rock bands of which I still have a great, you know, feeling in my heart for. Um, uh, he had no equipment. He was an accordion player. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he joined the band. And uh, we we messed around in that band for a couple of years. And then he, Yanni left to do a uh, a solo thing with a laser show. In, somewhere in Madison, Wisconsin. Hmm. I kept a little of, ahead of his time though with the laser show. Yeah, probably. yeah, it was it was a very cool show. I they had it um they had it in St. Paul for a while at some theater there. It would kind of, every Saturday night. But it was a very very cool thing. Um, and um in the meantime, I was slogging around in these kind of you know C level bands, just playing um a lot. Uh, it was really funny because uh my cousin sent me a calendar from the first month that I was in Chameleon. I played 22 dates when I joined that band the first month. Mm. Yeah. So anyway, um, I was trying to be like the most um, aggressive showman bass player that anybody had ever seen. Um, That was before I broke my hip. Not really. Um, I was going to say, there's a story to be told there. Yeah, no, there's not. Not really. Well, there is a story to be told there, but it'd be complete a complete lie. So, uh, um, it's so, all about entertainment, right? Right. Yeah. So, a band that I was in uh, opened for Chameleon, who were like the coolest band uh, around. They they were really heavy duty musicians. Great show. I wanted to be in that band for. A couple of months before that, I had seen him. So I gave it all out. Um, about a, I guess their singer made the whole band come up and watch me because they, they said, you guys are lazy. You should be like this guy. Um, about two months later, I got a call from the drummer. And he said, we just fired the singer. <laughs> <laughs> and he took the bass player with him. Would you like to join our band? And I was like, would I? I'll join the band. And he said, Great. Can you be ready in one week? <laughs> and they gave me their set list. And back then, you played like three one-hour shows. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, my name had four, you know, forty-five minutes. It was a lot of music, and I I learned that music uh, just woodshedded and learned it really quick. Went out on the road. They had their Chicago wig of their tour was going. We got to Chicago, and we found out that the singer wasn't too happy about uh, leaving the band. He talked to all the the clubs or whatever, the venues we were playing, and there was no tour. So we were stuck in Chicago with... Wow. You know, um, we were actually doing it old school. We were going to clubs, just driving there with our equipment and saying, hey, do you need a band? We'll play for the door. You don't even have to pay us. And, and we, we did that, that first leg of the tour. And that kind of set it up for us. Uh, 
we went, this went pretty good. And the band said, why are we even asking, you know, for whatever they were getting? Why don't we just start going in and, and taking the door or getting a, or getting a small guarantee versus the door, which turned out to be a really good thing. Uh, Cause we ended up making a lot of money over the years. Um, I tried to get Yanni in the band for two years. They just did not want Yanni in the band. For Why? They already had a keyboard player. Okay. Okay. And I said, it'll be really cool. Two keyboard players, you know, because the other guy was kind of the front man too. I was a front man. He was the front man. We kind of shared duties like like uh, Super Tramp used to, or what are some other bands? Toto. Toto, you know, where there's a couple singers and they kind of do that. Um, Yanni finally joined the band. And, um, and that's when things really started happening because right around Yanni came in, we were recording our first album. We needed keyboard parts on it. And he, he recorded the keyboard parts on the first album and it was just kind of a natural progression. Well, he might as well be in the band now, you know, and he was married to my cousin. So <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it kind of all worked. I was yeah. living with Yanni and my cousin and we were kind of, you know, mm -hmm. um, Yanni joined Chameleon, and that's when it really started to take off. Uh, we were financing our own albums. Uh, we were, I just talked to Charlie. He's a drummer. The other day he said, you know, and, and Charlie's really a, he's an A-class musician. He's, he's been on tours ever since, you know, 1985, world tours. He's been around the world and all that. And he, he called me and he said, you know, the best time I ever had was in Chameleon because we kind of did it all ourselves. Yeah. It's just that whole thing about working really, really hard and like like you guys do here, you know, you just work hard, you invest, you reinvest, you start seeing some success and it's just, it's hard work, but it's really rewarding in the end. Yeah, and Chameleon had success. Yes, yeah, we did, yeah. So you, I'm just, I must like the sound of my voice. Why don't you ask me a question? Well, you know what? <laughs> I like your voice better. <laughs> Whiskey and cigarettes, Dugan. The, uh, the, um, <clears throat> I, I do want to ask you, part of Chameleon, for anybody who knows it, and for those who don't know it, and I think your idea was taken by another band. Uh, we'll get the, to that. The, the drums. And I got to ask you about the drums yeah. in Chameleon. And folks, if you don't know about it, you're going to love the story. Dugan McNeil's with us. Davide's here producing. Dave Lee with you. It's all brought to you by Star Bank. And look no further than Star Bank right now when you're talking about finances. I would tell you the turnaround time on a loan over there is second to none. No red tape, no monkey business. And once you apply for that loan and submit your documentation, away you go. And uh, maybe it's a home equity line of credit you're in need of, or a home mortgage, or a business loan, ag operating. That's how they grew up on this bank years ago. That's how they started. And they're still going strong, doing everything. Maybe it's the equipment, whatever it is. A loan for a camper, you're thinking an RV this year, whatever it is, they handle everything. And the great thing is, now you can do this all in the high-tech stuff too. You can go to their, their app at starbank.net and do it all there. I do that same thing. It's easy to work off the app, obviously, but... It's very cool to go inside because it's kind of that old-fashioned feel of people knowing you, you know them, um, and it's the family-owned thing that still continues to be successful for them. So I'd encourage you, if you can, uh, get inside one of those banks and get to know them. They'll know you, I'll tell you that. Very family-oriented. Very cool. Uh, and by the way, when you do call, and whoever thought this would be unique someday when we were growing up, they answer the phone line. So that is something unusual. That's how banking should be. Call us, our bank. Call your branch today. We're stopping at your convenience. Our loans are subject to a loan application approval, starbank.net, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. Dugan McNeil is with us. We're talking about the band Chameleon, which started here in Minneapolis and, of course, became well-known. But 
One of the interesting things, Dugan, about that band was the drummers and the drum set. Can you yeah. kind of tell people who don't know about it what you guys did? Okay, so um, we were playing, I do believe, in uh, Winona, Minnesota. And a guy comes up to us and says, hey, I, I know how to do hydraulics. I know how to build things. Would you like me to build you something? <laughs> and the drummer, I think just in passing, just trying to be funny, because he had seen Buddy Rich on some show with this drum set that kind of went around in a circle. He said, how about you build me an upside-down drum set? <laughs> and the guy went, okay. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Yes. <clears throat> Next time we came through Winona, because we did, we we do like kind of an eight-week tour of, you know, the, I don't know how many states. But eight, you guys are on the road a lot. We were on the road a lot, yeah. 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 Uh, speaking of that, we were playing like probably... 250 to 300 shows a year. Wow. And most, a lot of them were one-nighters. But by the time we got back around, he said, I'd like you to come out to my place. I got something to show you. We <laughs> went to his place and he had this cranky Were old, you suspicious at first or are you thinking, well, oh. yeah, because I was way out in the country. <laughs> <laughs> we drove to Houston, Minnesota. I didn't sure. even know we had a Houston here at that point. I thought it was in Texas. Yeah, uh, south you know. of Winona. I know yes, right south of Winona. Yeah. And, um, and he had this, this, this contraption uh, and um, he's. St- we were playing in Winona that night. He said, "How about I bring it out and you guys try it out at the show?" <laughs> so um, I think it was the next day or something because it took a day to get it there. And we set this thing up. I, I remember on the dance floor, and it was it was an upside down. And you didn't have roadies. Oh yeah, we did. Oh, did you? Oh okay, yeah. So yeah. you didn't have to do this yourself. You know what? The funny thing is, I. The, I had roadies my whole life, right? Even from when I, my very first band, because you know your buddies wanted to do it, right up until I turned into a super old adult, <laughs> <laughs> and then the roadie situation kind of went away. For you know, it's like and, just when you uh, need it. Yeah. yeah, I yeah they they uh, I was in a band with a guy. He called me Johnny Lumbar <laughs> because I would always complain about moving gear. So even I maybe I maybe I still had roadies, but it was just other members of the band. Yeah. Um, I have roadies now. That's, you know, but, uh, uh, yes, we had roadies. That was a long answer to that question, wasn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Good answer. So we set this thing up. It starts going around and Charlie falls out of it (laughs) (laughs) because nobody thought to maybe strap him in. (laughs) So we quickly, you know, went and found, I don't probably got, packing straps for, for trucks <laughs> sure. and strapped doing we were we were going to use it that night you know yeah. and we did use it and it was really it was a great thing and we modified that drum kit like three times over the years it started off being just a going around in a circle <laughs> next step was a gyroscope so mm-hmm. it went you know horizontally and vertically 360 <clears throat> yeah uh-huh and then the third one uh which we debuted at our second show at the Guthrie it was actually on on wheels, and it would drive around the stage and <laughs> and, and do these things. Okay, <clears throat> um, oh. you might ask, where did we get the money for that? Well, yeah, exactly. When our first album came out, um, our pre sales were so good because we had this huge following. Um, I think we had like by today's numbers, it's not great, but it was probably about twenty or thirty grand, thirty thousand in pre sales, and it was enough to get us on the. The charts came out the same week as Tattoo You by the Rolling Stones, and we outsold the Rolling Stones in the Midwest. Wow. 
for one week. One week, that's okay. The next week, one week's okay. With but the that was great because it yeah. made the record labels notice us. It made MTV notice us, and and, and all that that kind of thing. Um, and it made and just that kind of publicity can kind of snowball a little bit. You yes. know, it was kind of a fluke. It it kind of it helped. Um, so we had this ups- this crazy upside down drum set. You probably want to get to the next part of the crazy upside down drum no, set. No, whenever you get to it. <clears throat> okay. Um, like all, you know, I think I've always thought the the best bands self destruct. Mm-hmm. Usually, it's I think the really the really best bands self destruct after one album due to like, um, you know, drugs. Yeah, <laughs> and you go, oh, they were a great band. Too bad they they're not around anymore. Um, it took us it took Chameleon about seven years to self destruct, <laughs> uh, and that's a whole another story. It had to do I don't you know with the business and all that. Um, but it had a happy ending. We all went on and moved on to other things. One of the other things was um, Charlie, I think he he was playing with Yanni at that time or just just before. When the band broke up, we kind of, guitar player went with me, the drummer went with Yanni, that, that kind of thing. Um, and we had a, we had a mutual provider. And when he, um, uh, when we broke up, he moved to Los Angeles and became Motley Crue's provider. And he started talking about this upside down drum set. Um, he called Charlie up and he said, you know, Tommy Lee would really like to meet you. I've been telling him about the upside down drum set and uh, he'd just like to talk to you about it. So Charlie went, Charlie's our drummer. He went for a whole month on tour with Motley Crue, the, the whole shebang, the the Learjets, the debauchery. That have you guys seen the dirt? Yeah. Yes. Okay, that's all true. That's the way it was back then. Even on a local scene, that's that's the way it was, you know. But they had taken it up to another level. At the end of his thirty-day, shall we say, adventure with Motley Crue, um, they did a little legal deal that Tommy Lee could take the idea of the upside down drum set and improve upon it, and he did, and he did a fabulous job with it uh, Tommy Lee has the upside down drum set I just found out uh, I was playing a casino um, about half a year ago and the guy who built the original drum set came out to the show I was with my current band the guy band. from or from Houston yeah I was with my current band The Hype and he came out and he said uh, you know would you like to see that drum set and I said yeah and he took a took his phone out the drum set is a pile of rust in Houston, Minnesota, <laughs> in the back of some barn. <laughs> ashes to ashes. There you go. Rust to rust, I guess. Yeah. All started, though. Well, it turned out to be pretty successful. It, it did. And that was a, you know, as, as much as we we kind of didn't like the idea of it because it made us feel like, oh, gosh, this is just a gimmick. Yes. You know, it's all about the music, man. It's about it's about our art. But that gimmick was really good. I mean, it got us lots of shows. Yeah, and, well, it's about entertainment, like yeah. you said, right? Yeah, and I, I still have people come up to me, you know, now when I'm playing around who, you know, want to know about the drum set, what happened to Yanni, why did Tommy Lee steal the drum set? That's always their first question, which he didn't. You know, it was a a mutual understanding. Did it the right way. And he did, yeah. 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 Huh. Do you and Yanni still stay in touch? Yeah, yeah, we don't... Um, not as much as we used to. Uh, he's kind of semi-retired right now. He's not. He's not playing as much. When he when he was playing, 
we'd always get together during the tours and okay. that kind of thing. He was doing all those historic monument shows, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Yeah. yeah. And that was kind of his, his big deal. He did, uh, uh, the pyramids, the and- pyramids. He did, uh, the forbidden city. His, his big one was, uh, the Acropolis. Mm, oh in yeah. Greece. That was kind yeah. of the first one. I think he did the Taj Mahal. He did something. Taj Mahal. Wow. Yeah. Um, that was a unique idea. It was a great idea. You know, uh, that idea netted him, uh, a pretty big uh, lump sum of front money from Virgin Records when his original um, deal with private music, his four album deal was finished. And then Richard Branson wanted him so bad because of what he was doing with uh, the pyramids and all that. And, you know, and Yanni, I, I got to tell him, he, he took the same concept that we did instead of bringing in tons of investors and then just kind of built that whole thing himself, took it. You know, with a little bit of investment, you know, from his girlfriend at the time, who was a movie star, um, Linda. And they just kind of, you know, built this thing and built it to such a point that Richard Branson wanted to know how they did it for his acts. Because it was really hard to break internationally in the, the 90s and the early 2000s. It was like not very many bands were or acts were actually could go to South America, could go to China or whatever, uh, because the infrastructure was so scattered and, and crazy uh you think you think our unions are bad here you know you get there and they don't even the 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 whole electric grid is won't accommodate it or you can't get the stuff from here to there except on a camel you know <laughs> and somehow yeah. yanni figured out a way to do it with uh more camels i don't know why <laughs> but he got her done yeah so yeah. when you were when Camille, when you first had a label approach you what was that like um, we were always, we were kind of approaching the labels first. We would always, every time we do an album or, or, or four songs, we would send them off to the labels or our man, our management would do that. Mm-hmm. And they would come out and see the band play. Um, it actually got to like, I think the fourth album before we really got super serious record deal offers, at which point the band self-destructed. <laughs> <laughs> With a Warner Brothers deal on the table. Oh, no. Yeah. So, and um, that was kind of sad that 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 all happened. Uh, And, uh, but it it was okay because uh, within a a year, um, Yanni got a record deal. I got a record deal. The singer got a record deal on on separate labels. We had been schlepping around for seven or eight years with Chameleon. Well, let's go back. Six or seven years. uh, just trying to get a record deal and for some reason we couldn't get it and for some reason the uh the the parts just went out there and all got record deals when you uh look back dugan now and of course you're still playing in a band called hype which i'll ask you about but are you glad i mean just despite the fact you get that warner brothers label ready to sign you guys and it breaks up are you glad things worked out like they did um would you do it again i would do it differently i would have taken that deal (laughs) Because we turned the deal down. That's what happened. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, probably taking that deal and uh, done it from there. Uh, Warner Brothers wanted a couple of people out of the band, out of the band. And we were like a band of brothers. And it mm-hmm. was like, you know, you you, know, you have this this high you, ethical kind of a thing going on. You're, you're kind of, th- 
I don't know. We all thought we were Bono or something. Uh, <laughs> we you know, uh, we got to do the right thing, you know. And looking back, we probably should have taken a deal and then just brought those guys back in the band. And we didn't do that, you know. Um, on the other hand, I did have a really fun adventure, you know, with my own record deal, uh, just being a solo artist for three or four years. That was a lot of fun. Yanni went on to do really great things, you know. The singer didn't, he didn't really, I don't know. Uh, I, I went on to kind of become more of a, a producer dude for many years because I did get a, have a great love for recording just from, you know, going in the studio and recording. Yes. You just kind of wanted to start learning about it. Um, I, I met a, an incredible mentor, a, a man named Tom Tucker, who, um, he was my mentor, and uh, he had probably the most successful studio uh, in town. Oh, by the way, the studio we're in right now, this is where Chameleon did their first two albums. No kidding. Yes, right here, right in that room in the back that Steve has. Yes. Yeah, and then it, well, there's been some big acts come through here. Steve told us last week, this is where the Guess Who got the name of the band. Really? As they were recording over here across all. Wow, wow. Yeah, because this goes way back even before Steve. It was, uh, yeah, it's, it was... Yeah, Bruce Swedeen, who went on to like Michael Jackson and yeah, and really big, big things. You know, it's really you know I I think when I was in high school, even um, I I wasn't a very good student. I by that point I wanted to be a rock star, and uh, they had a fame program going on in Minneapolis where uh, you could go to high school for like three hours, and then you went to the Institute of Arts and kind of pursued what you did, and, and I was kind of pursuing music there, and. I remember we came into this studio and recorded like six of our songs on a four-track machine. That's the first time I was ever in a recording studio. I think I kind of got, I kind of got the bug then. You oh, know, yeah. I was like seventeen years old or whatever. Now, how exciting was that? Yeah, really exciting. People aren't so excited about studios anymore, are they? It, it used to be you could say, "Hey, you want to come in and record? You want to go to the studio?" And they'd, they'd be there. And now you say, "You want to come in?" They say, "Sure, we'll be there." And then they're like two hours late or. I can't make it because I, you know, I watched my show or, you know, the, yeah. it's, it's just, it's a different time now, you know? Um, but yeah, it was really, really exciting to, to do that and to actually come here and be in a real recording studio for a hundred dollars an hour. Um, it was, <laughs> <laughs> but I know, yeah, even coming in to do voice work at studios was always kind of a big deal. Yeah, it was a big you, deal. You, it was, it was look, really even fun. if you were just talking. And even right here, though, we're in this room right now, and the vibe is just so good. Yeah. It, it just feels good. But you know what? I have a I have a theory about studios like this, you know, with the, the history. Um, and you probably agree with me, Davide. There's, there is some kind of a, a spiritual vibe. If you really think about mm -hmm. who's been here and all that, who sang on that microphone, um, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, did you, you open up with some uh, – did you play with other bands? Back or? then? Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, we, we would, um, gosh, I mean, we, we did a lot of shows with Head East because I don't oh. know why they seem to, you know, do that. They'd pull the plug on us. I remember that a lot. <laughs> they would pull the plug. Yeah. Right. That really happens. Yeah. They go, shut them down. You know, it's going over too good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you don't want to upstage the. the I, I think Chameleon did a tour with, um, <clears throat> uh, Night Ranger back. Oh, gosh. back then, right before we, you know, ended, um, you know, we fronted bands. Uh, there was, uh, I remember there was a one of my ones. There was a band called. Uh, oh, you know, we we fronted like 
Tommy James and uh, these bands that were kind of touring around doing it because we, we did ballrooms and uh, there was a circuit, you know, like, you know, Bobby V and yeah. Tommy mm -hmm. James and all these guys like that, Mitch Ryder, et cetera, et cetera, who would kind of tour. But I remember one time I, I played with a band called Spirit. I don't know if you guys have ever I heard sure of do, yeah. I love that band. I mean, I yeah. oh, I just love that band. I was got like a, a line on you, isn't it? Their yeah, song? yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like a fanboy. You know, that was like that was a big a big moment for me to you know to play with that band. Um, oh, I have some stories about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> I remember I I brought I brought I actually brought records for them to sign. Uh, I total fanboy. And Randy California wrote on one of the singles he you know randy california here's my phone number if you're ever in la stop it and say hi <laughs> and that was like you know it's uh, did you ever call him no i didn't now he's passed away yeah but not a whole lot no no yeah. no real big names no tours like that you just kind of got slapped on the bill you play someplace and you'd mm -hmm. you'd front that first band. time they pulled the plug on the band what was that like um well you know, on, on one hand it was uh annoying and yeah. on the other hand it was invigorating yeah you know, you're doing you're, so well because you're doing so well yeah um <laughs> i remember roger he he'd do it all the time we we played on with a tour with him and like almost every night he would do that <laughs> you know he was the guy who ran the band you know? so, yeah yeah <clears throat> well when we come back i want to ask you about the band now cause, okay because it's popular and you're doing well and he is dugan mcneil he's with us here davide is our producer dave with you here and our thanks to the folks over at propane.com for making this show possible and I think we're all talking about lowering our carbon footprint. That's been going on for some time. It's a headline pretty much every day in the papers, as you know. But we have to provide reliable and affordable energy. And so uh, diversity is important. With uh, those things in mind, we have to be extremely important during Minnesota's four distinct seasons. We had that long winter I talked about earlier, and now we're into the summertime. But you need a clean energy solution for tomorrow. But it's available today. It actually is. And it's ready to work alongside other energy sources. It is called propane. And I will tell you, you can read more about it at propane.net and learn more about what they're doing, or propane.com rather, and learn about what they're doing because here they're producing 43% fewer emissions than electricity generated from the U.S. grid. Now that's a lot to think about, and I bet you didn't know it. And propane is energy stored on site. It's independent from the vulnerabilities of the grid. And propane's benefits don't end there. Major advances being made today for renewable propane it's compatible with traditional propane and requires no additional infrastructure investments. Big stuff. Minnesota needs to use all of our low-carbon alternatives, and that includes propane to safely provide energy, reliability, the resiliency we need, and certainly affordability. So propane, the right energy, right now. Find out more about what propane can do for you at propane.com. All right, Dugan, the band, you're still playing. You're still busy. Uh, you're uh, performing uh, again around the area. People can see it, but let's talk about that band That's that's been a hit. Wow, we're, we're fast-forwarding now about 30 years. Would you like anything in between there? Or, Whatever or you not? come up okay, with, Dugan, it's uh, good for me. Okay, I'll, I'll keep it going here. Davide can uh, uh, keep going. So the, the band breaks up. We get deals. Uh, I got to deal with Polygram, and I'm just bringing it up because I, I, I want to brag about it a little bit. Uh, no, Um I got to record at Paisley Park right after it opened. Uh, I was actually the first artist besides Prince to use Studio A in Paisley Park. No kidding. Yeah. The um, the record label, uh, Polygram, uh, Universal Group, they 
put me in there for three months. They blocked Studio A 24-7 for three months, and Prince could not even use his own studio. Did you did you know Prince at all growing up? You guys were both I, Minneapolis kids? Wow, that's funny. I used to play Battle of the Bands against his band oh. in my very first band at North High School on Saturday afternoons. We would go there and... Uh, and it was probably flight time, you know, those flight time guys. And and what I remember from back then is uh, they would play Santana songs. Mm. That's And they would go over great. And my band would get up there and play Alice Cooper songs, and we would bomb. <laughs> <laughs> so, damn you, Prince, you're Santana. <laughs> uh-huh. but, but it made me, I didn't give up. I just said, someday I'm going to. Play at a band that does Santana. So you I, knew until, each other as competitors, kind of. Well, we weren't competitors. I don't didn't really know Prince. Yeah. Um, um, but you know, it was it, in passing. You sure you would do that. Um, I my my brother actually uh, went to school with Prince, so he's in the yearbook. You know, mm-hmm. the classic picture that you see of Prince with the uh, basketball team. Yeah, where he's kneeling in front. That's the, that's my brother's yearbook. So yeah, he uh, he did that. Um, Prince was, he was very nice and quiet as, you know, everybody always, well, they all have their own stories. My story isn't really hanging out with Prince or anything, but yep. I remember when I was at, um, at Paisley at that point and Paisley was brand new. It had only been open about a year and, uh, Prince would come in very late at night. <clears throat> yeah. And, he had odd hours, didn't he? Right. And I would be there very late at night because I kind of was d- driven, you know, you get there in the morning and just kind of kind of keep going as long as you could because the the they're paying you know for 24 7 in that studio so you try to make the most of it and um one day i got a one night i got a call from uh or not from prince but his assistant came in and said uh prince would like to invite you to uh to a screening of his new film it's probably graffiti bridge it's a private screening it's at the um varsity theater or something and uh he would really, he would really like you to come. And I would, I said, you know, I'd really like to do it, but I'm cutting vocals tonight and I'm just kind of in that headspace. So I didn't go. Next day I find out that four people were at this showing. Prince, his girlfriend at the time, David Bowie and Iman. And I have been kicking myself <laughs> For the last uh, 30 years. <laughs> That's a pretty special list. It was, I could have, I could have been hanging out with those guys, you know, just on a one-on-one. And I'm a huge Bowie fan. I mean, I'm, uh, I'm just huge fan. Yeah. Uh, um, well, he was innovative. Yeah. So that's one of my Prince stories. It's not a very good, <laughs> didn't have a happy ending. It's a great but, story uh, though. You know, so uh, anyway, should we move to the new band? Sure. We're going to, yeah, wherever you want to go, Dugan, I'm, I'm good. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm in a band right now, really great band. Um, having so much fun. I was, we were talking earlier how, um, up to this point, always just kind of been in bands that did original music, uh, you know, do your own mm-hmm. schlep out there, but times are kind of changing. It's, it's really hard to make a living doing that. The record labels aren't, they're not underwriting the costs anymore. Uh, there aren't as many venues to play anymore. And the ones that do aren't really paying a lot of money. I feel really, I, I kind of feel bad for young musicians these days, you know, talking to them, uh, 
as you know i was an instructor in college for quite a while doing record production and uh you know just the the scene is just so frustrating for young musicians they can't go out there anymore like we could back in the day and actually make a living at it play you know four to six to seven days a week and bring in a, a, a an income you know mm-hmm. um and um i i don't know i just i put the word out that i was looking for a band um just for kind of fun and profit uh and i i joined a uh a cover band for a year and, and i was in that band and um the singer in that band there was something about him he just had such raw magnetism like i had never i never experienced with a performer before he was really good looking really great singer and i noticed for the first time it kind of bummed me out that i would be on the front line behind him and i'd look out and the audience for about 50 feet back would be all women all girls not a single guy in the audience and i would watch their heads go back and forth watching the singer because there was something so magnetic about him mm-hmm. and he, you know he was like the full package you yeah. know uh, and you know really you know when you want to be a rock star you have to be n- number one uh probably talented and if you have um stage presence and charisma and good looks to go along with it it's really great so i'd watch them it was almost like watching a tennis match mm-hmm. they would do that and i and i said you know if i'm going to be in a uh a tribute type act i want to be with this guy um so we started doing a master plan um <clears throat> with uh the drummer in the band um to put together this thing called the hype uh we did very aggressive branding uh put the whole show together it's a very exciting show um had the first year booked right out of the gate we hadn't even played a gig we we just shot video of the band and did a very nice promotional spot and just kind of sent it out and uh looked like it was going to be a really good year and then uh at our i think it was our third show was March 15th mm-hmm. and <clears throat> the governor closed down what we thought was going to be two weeks. Yeah. We were doing sound check and they, and they shut us down. Um, and then that year I went from the year before playing 80 to a hundred shows to like five shows <clears throat> and we've been building it ever since. But, uh, but the band is really cool. It's called the hype. Uh, I do a shout out to the guys at the band, Johnny holiday, scotty c and jj from la uh each one of them uh is just like a rock star in their own we kind of put a band together of of people who are very high energy really good musicians and you get along with them uh have have you guys ever seen a show called higher gun Mm -mm. it's a documentary okay and they're talking to rob zombie and he says you know when you're when you're looking for musicians putting a band together number one you won't you want uh really exceptional players but they're kind of a dime a dozen. There's like thousands of them out there. Second step, you want people who are really good on stage. That takes the list down to five. <laughs> and then you want to be able to get along with them, and that's one or two. And this band, the hype, is like that. Uh, great players, uh, huge stage presence and charisma, 
and really fun to hang out with. What's the music? The music is, it's, it's, it's a tribute band. Uh, we, we kind of built it for uh, casinos and um, uh, outdoor shows, summer shows, that kind of thing. Uh, the band uh, tributes um, Bon Jovi, Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Poison, uh, Aerosmith. It's like an 80s glam kind of a thing. Yeah, so it is high energy. Yeah, high energy speeds right through. Lowest Combinator, all the songs are sing-along songs. Everybody knows the lyrics, all that. And uh, it's like two hours, it just goes by like that. Uh, we have a huge video screen production with it. Um, you know, seven or eight foot video screens on each side. The drummer has four kick drums. <laughs> uh, and does he play them all? No. And he doesn't go upside down. <laughs> he does not go upside down, but he keeps wanting to. And I say, no, you're not going upside down. Uh, and it's, it's very, very fun, high energy. I, I've never had so much kind of easy fun in a band. It's way easier playing other people's music than your own music for some reason. I, it's just, and all the songs we do are sort of ingrained in your in your subconscious. Are you doing uh, many of the vocals? Um, no, I, I do background vocals. Oh, okay. That's it. I'm not the front band in this band because remember I have that guy who yeah, I all just the thought girls maybe, like. I yeah. thought maybe once in a while you'd come out. And <clears throat> nope, don't do that. We know Everybody has their their role in the band and yeah. that's how we kind of market it. Um, uh, you guys can, can uh, if you go to the Hype online, that's our website. YouTube channel is Get the Hype. Uh, and then um, obviously a Facebook page, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, we don't play... The city's very often. We're on the road. Uh, we're just coming off. Of, we were just in Oklahoma, and then we went to like Dubuque, and then we were in Des Moines last weekend. Hmm. Um, we're off to Paris, Texas, and then from there, Logansport, Indiana. They're like you know twelve-hour drives in between and all that. You know, we hop on the bus and do these things. Probably not till the middle of summer. I think we got something coming up in Excelsior at some outdoor thing there. Oh, great. And then um, we'll be doing a, a, a Vikings pre-show in either October or September. Oh, fun. We're doing, a, I think, they're, they're kind of sussing out right now. It's either going to be a Monday night one, you know, for the Monday night. Football. Oh, yeah, big deal. When they're yeah. here, I think that's in October. Otherwise, we'll do one a little bit earlier. Last year, we did one in November, and it was pretty cold. Yeah. You know, it was, uh, and, and that one, I think we, we drove 12 hours to be here at 6 a.m. from the night before, you know. And so, no, it could have been 12 hours and we wouldn't have made it. But, uh, but we made it. You we had to make sleep. it in a hurry. We did a, yeah. we did a gig, we got done at one, and we just kind of, you know, had to be here for setup at, you know, six or seven in the morning, that kind of thing. <clears throat> um, but that's okay. Not a lot of sleep, but it's okay as long as you stay healthy, right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, people want you. Yeah. So um, once again, The Hype is the name of the band. It is extremely fun, fun band. Uh, huge production. Video screens. Yeah. Well, Video look forward to it when you get back here. That'll be great. Yeah. yeah. And check it out. Um, there's there's stuff on you can see on YouTube and that. All right. Okay. Anything we left off, Dugan? Anything we I, needs to be said? Um, uh, who's, uh, who's picking up the tab for the dark brown beer that we'll be drinking <laughs> after this across the street. <laughs> yeah, Davide's already said he would. Yeah. Davide's. <laughs> I figured we'd probably do that. Now, but uh, I'm just, I'm kidding, of course. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, and, and Davide, our producer, and Davide, uh, I'll let you go to the mic, but 
Dugan was your teacher, correct? Yes, he was uh, my teacher at uh, MMI, the Minneapolis Media Institute. That's where I went to school. And he taught me uh, signal flow, <laughs> engineering 101. And I'm so grateful for that, that I had teachers like Dugan to teach me. And actually, he mentioned his mentor, Tom Tucker, which uh, was my mentor as well. I assisted him. And maybe Dugan, you, you, can, you can say more about Tom. Uh, just quickly, because I, I love Tom. Yeah, so... But yeah, Tom. Uh, Tom was uh, uh, the engineer here in town. Uh, he was uh, Prince's chief engineer at Paisley Park for years, and he was so big in education that he started several schools here in town, like IPR and the Masters of Recording Institute, and then Minneapolis Media Institute. Yeah. But here, the microphone to Dugan. Okay, I'm going to tell my Tom story. Um, <clears throat> when I was in Chameleon. We were doing our records here at Creation. We were sort of self-producing them, you know, and we didn't know a whole lot about it. And we thought the records were great. And then we would hear other records that were being done in Iowa that were like hands above what we were, hands above what we were doing. <laughs> um, I didn't realize until years later that it was this guy, Tom Tucker, who was producing these Records in Iowa, he relocated up to here, um, did his first studio here, uh, Metro Studios, I think it was called, yeah. And um, Metro Studios was right next to my management's company, hmm. um, which is, uh, it, Metro Studios was kind of right down the road uh, on Washington, yeah. across the street from that strip club. <laughs> Deja vu, yes. All yes. right, I know where you're at. Yeah, so it was it was perfect, perfectly <laughs> built for me. It's funny how that turns out to be a landmark most guys Isn't that something? Out. Everything else is gone there yeah, except but. Deja vu is still there. Um, but anyway, Tom was so great and so gracious. Um, I was living in North Minneapolis at the time because I did what every um, you know professional musician does when your band breaks up. You move back with your parents till you get some money again. <laughs> yes. So I was kind of stuck with my parents for about a year until I got the record deal and got a bunch of front money and was able to move out again because I was not going to get a real job at that point. I had been since eighteen. I had been playing in bands and you know doing really had the wacky hours. Yeah, yeah, but I, but it, but it had been my own right. You know, been making money and doing that mm -hmm. and. Uh, I just wasn't. The, the, I didn't feel like I wanted to do that. I needed to concentrate on other things. Tom would be so nice as I could come down to the studio and I, and I wasn't renting his studio. I was just hanging out there being a fly on the wall because he was so great. I was producing other artists in his studio. He would borrow me expensive microphones and let me take them back home to my parents' house. I, I actually gutted out the, the kitchen in the duplex and put a studio in there and uh, was, you know, and Tom would, would let me use equipment and, if I didn't know how to do something, I'd come back and say, hey, Tom, can I, why doesn't my vocal sound good? Or why, mm -hmm. why is this? And he would give me tips and, and that kind of thing. I remember one time, um, Tom borrowed me a $20,000 Telefunken microphone. This was years later when I lived in Prior Lake. Uh, king of the microphones, right? Yeah. We all want one, Telefunken microphone. Um, I was doing a, an artist there and I, I needed the Telefunken microphone. 
And Tom said, well, why don't you take one out of the studio? So they meticulously wrapped up this microphone. The assistant engineer gave me directions on how to handle the microphone and, and all that. I jumped in my $500 car, <laughs> rust bucket. I'm driving down 35W in the middle of an ice storm with a $20,000 microphone sitting next to me. And I start seeing all the cars slamming on their brakes and sliding around. And all I could think was, I'm going to be in a car accident with a $20,000 microphone. <laughs> now, uh, I, I never told Tom that story. <laughs> I lucked out. I slid off the side and, and all that. But yeah, it, it's, it's one of those moments, your life doesn't flash in front of you. The ramifications of destroying a twenty thousand dollar <laughs> microphone is what you know. Yeah, exactly. You're like, oh shit! Yeah. Oh shit! You know. <laughs> so, Tom, God bless you up there. Miss you, man. Yeah. So. Dugan, it's been great having you here. It's been really fun. I love your voice. Well, I, I appreciate nice. uh, I appreciate you saying that, but uh, I think we all wish we had talent, and that's why. The podcast is fun because I think anybody, whether you could be a musician or not, and my dad was a great one, but I wasn't, is that uh, we all, everybody can identify with music some way, somehow. Yeah. I don't care who you are or where you are. So it's pretty cool when you can make it your life's passion. So I have a question for you then. Your dad was a musician. What did what did he play? Uh, well, name it. He played it, but he, you know, a small town. He didn't, he, you know, played with his buddies and mm -hmm. my uncles had a band, but he, they were, he would. Play, sit down and play the piano, and then he would play the uh, accordion, uh -huh. like Yanni accordion, did. Accordion, yes. And then he'd, then he'd <laughs> grab his violin, and he'd play that. And then he'd play his guitar. And yeah. Wow. And he sang. So, But, you know, it was that's what he did. And one of us was too busy out playing baseball and screwing around to yeah. make up music. But it, it was a great influence in our house. So Yeah, yeah that's great. Big yeah. deal. Cool. Thanks, Dugan. Great having you here. I really appreciate your time. Well, I had a gas. It was well, really fun. Well, we'll talk again, I'm sure, because there's a, a lot more stories, I think. Yeah, I'll be hitting you up sir, for some uh, spots for my band. Okay. <laughs> Done, yeah. Done deal. Yeah. Done deal. <clears throat> if I can record into a $20,000 microphone, that would help even more. You have a couple of those here, right, Davide? <laughs> Uh It's in the, in the big room. Yes. In the big room, yeah. <laughs> uh, you probably do have one of those here, right? I think we do have a... Actually, we have an AK-47, but that's not $20,000. Yeah. That's only... $2,000. Okay, yeah. No. Thank you. Thanks, uh, Davide, as always, our producer. Thanks, Davide. Dugan, thank you. He taught him well. <laughs> he, I, I assume he was a good student. Well, he's the best. Yeah. I get it. I know. I, I, I think of him as a peer. Even, you know, right from almost the beginning, you know. Oh. Davide was never like, you know, a student. No. Uh, what do we, what do we call them? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, we, 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 you have I lost to, adult, probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to talk like Gollum. Nasty student says. <laughs> he was not a nasty student says. <laughs> he was a peer. Well, high praise. Dugan McNeil's been our guest here today on 
my first concert. And again, you can download this on Apple and Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. You can also go to talknorth.com. We got a ton of them right there. A great podcast, a lot of sports stuff that I knew you'll find interesting as well. And our thanks to uh, all the folks at Aquarius Home Services here from the Aquarius Home Services Studio and also our friends at propane.com, at starbank.net, our bank here at Talk North, and of course our friends at UCARE. Dave Lee here, and we're back again next week on my first concert. 